Hi, and welcome to Telepathic TV. This is television that you watch with your third eye. And I'm R. Neville Johnston. And I'm Mary Phelan, and our program is about raising our consciousness. And tonight we're going to raise our consciousness by talking about ego. So let go of my ego. Very good. Unmasking the ego is much more simple than people believe. The ego does a very good job of total invisibility. It's virtually impossible to tell. You know that you're acting and other people can tell, but you cannot because you're so immersed into it. <coughs> so well. we have a lot of tells on the show this evening uh, to remind you that, you, um, that this is an egocentric activity. Now there's, and we will end the show, I believe, with the idea of expressing why it is that ego is an uh, act of love, because until we understand something as, a lack, uh, uh, as love, until we understand it as love, it has power over us. So it is not, um, <coughs> although the ego will very easily take you to a very dark place very rapidly. And so the concept of the um, ego is to recognize that um, first and foremost the fear of the ego is of being forgotten, of being separated, of, of being, um, uh, pardon me, of um, not being remembered. And that's uh, gravestones to um, all kinds of things we do that are based on ego. Go ahead. Well, my view of the ego has changed over the years. I think people that have watched the show for a long time know that I, I, I really had <clears throat> a point of view that everywhere you go, people are talking about the ego as if it's some satanic devil thing that's residing within you. The devil made me do it. My ego made me do it and things like that. And so one of the things that I feel is very important is you have to love things away. You yeah. can't hate them away. It just doesn't work. If you hate, it sticks it to you like cellophane with that static electricity. You know, like you're trying to let it go and you just, it just won't leave you. Cat with a balloon. Uh-huh. So, so that is, that is the, the um, when you resist it, when you hate it. So you have to love it as being part of you. And I described it also as the Sherpa that guides us through reality. <clears throat> but lately I've been seeing it differently. And I'm seeing that what we call the negative ego, the ego that, that causes us to feel insatiable, never to be full, never enough friends, never enough contacts, never enough acquaintances, never enough uh, places to put your business card. The ego is characterized by never having enough. So I traced it a little further down towards source and I realized that maybe what we call the ego is actually our fear body. And it's not an ego at all. Because the ego, one of the things that's characterized when we call someone egotistical is it's like greed. And I recently put a post up on Facebook where I said greed is like cancer because cancer are cells, regular cells, that have grown out of control. They don't die, they don't end, they just keep going and going. And greed is like that. When we get struck with greed, it is like a viral program in our mind, you'll never feel full. You'll always want more. And that is what the ego feels, that it has to have more. It cannot feel full, which is what fear tricks us into believing. And so the ego, even when other people have intellectual property or something they've created, the ego will overlook any kind of empathy, compassion, 
It doesn't even get routed through that. It just wants more. And so it will do anything to get it. Well, there are quite a few tools the ego has <coughs> at its command, not the least of which is knocking you out. You know, because as soon as your ego takes over, that's it. There's no coming back from that. I mean, well. an apology, etc. But I, you know what I'm talking about. So, um, one of the things that the ego is such a genius at is creating sides. Um, yes. One of the and and this totally false sense of identity that we have. Um, one of the totally false senses of identity is we're Americans. Well, actually, we're people. Um, we're better than other people. Well, actually, we're all kind of a, we are all a division of divine beingness. We uh, the founding fathers had their their finger on the pulse. Yes, definitely, we are all created equal. I mean, we are all a piece of divinity, period. Uh, and the ego is doing its level best to more or less eradicate that point of view uh, to get you to act as though you are better than other people. But of course, we're all in this together. That's, that would be a very anti-ego statement. We're all in this together. Because we are, actually. And we're all really the one thing. Well, we are, actually. So if I hurt someone else, I'm hurting me, and that's going to happen. You know, the, the um, idea of the echo chamber that we're sitting in. So the object of the show is to open spirit eyes enough to recognize the ego running you instead of your divine knowing, your compassionate love running you, which would be a very mature way to do things. Well, I think the ego, just what I've been observing lately when I was starting to say a minute ago is yeah. the ego as we think of it really is fearful. It is the part of us that has chosen to live in duality and limitation. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with duality and limitation except that it's not very comfortable most of the time. But it is a contrivance. It is two points on the line of infinity where we have a playground within mm -hmm. where we can pretend that there are beginnings and endings. When we lose sight of that, when we start thinking that that's all there is, that, that is the ego. It's fear turning into a personality or, or an aspect of us. It's our, it's our fear body. Oh, absolutely. So if we look at fear and greed and ego being all just different sides of the same thing, I found that very interesting because the ego gets afraid of being ostracized or, or, or abandoned. Forgotten. That's true. Yeah. Uh, forgotten. But it also, it, it's not even like it, it gets to that level of consciousness, oh, I might be forgotten. It just knows that it needs more. It needs more accolades, it needs more attention, it needs more money, it needs more friends, it needs more whatever, until it reaches a saturation point and then everything blows up. Yeah, yeah. And we do reach saturation points. Never in our history have we had to deal with saturation points. Mm -hmm. So. When you think of your ego as your pain body, it, it starts turning, not pain body, but your fear body, it starts giving you power over it. So when you see someone being what we call egotistical, then we know it's their fear talking. And we could either incite that fear to get more fearful by it triggering ours, and fear against fear only gets uh, blown up fearful into something order. bigger. Or you could look at it 
and feel compassion for the fear and, and do what you can to ease the fear. And, but, but people tend to get challenged, so it's a contagious thing. Greed spreads greed, ego spreads ego. Oh yeah, very much. It's another one of these contagions. You know, a, a lower exactly. frequency human being will pull either your mm -hmm. lower frequency into the situation, or if we pay attention to the show, pull your higher frequency into the situation where it doesn't matter what that is, the disconnect. The ego is very good at getting us connected to, as you were saying, pain, but connected to lower frequencies. Fear. And fear, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, fear. But um, about uh, need and greed are interesting words in that I, I feel that they are really synonyms, and I feel that they um, actually create. If you say, I need something, then you are creating whatever that is. And it doesn't even come off the tongue easily because it sets off all the little flags in my head. But need and greed are the same thing. They are self-creating. Uh, that you cannot be satisfied is not particularly interesting. Uh, that, that the ability to be satisfied is something you know as a child when you still have grace. By the time you're an adult, you've become unsatisfiable. You know, the, uh, Bill Gates, one of the wealthier people on the planet, certainly, who gave away $7 billion or something, um, still. Know. Uh, I read something about that somewhere, but uh, there is no amount that will satisfy, so let's just give up on being satisfied in that way because there's no amount that will satisfy the ego. That's what I'm saying. E yeah, I know, because the ego is this bottomless pit of dissatisfaction. So the ego has, um, there are ways to heal the ego. We'll talk a little bit more about ways to heal the ego. Um, uh, the ego is characterized by the idea, here, go ahead. Did you have something? Oh, I thought you had, okay. No, um, the, just listening. Yeah, uh, the ego is the idea that we have to do the universe's job for it. In other words, if there's an unbalanced situation and we see that it's unbalanced, we feel that our ego feels that we have to run in there and balance the situation in order, like the universe wouldn't do that, like it wouldn't be taken care of. So we have this kind of a cop inside of us that is always attempting to take over the situation and correct it when it's really almost never necessary. Once in a while you'll pitch in, but that's relatively rare, this idea that we have to run around correcting everything. And uh, the uh, fear, I agree, fear. Uh, the ego is afraid of um, the idea of oneness. We are all one. That frightens the ego because the ego's job was to come down here with us and see that we're separated from everyone. Uh, in fact, the language itself is full of codes that just separate you from the ego in the language expresses by keeping everything at arm's length. Those people over there. Okay, well, it doesn't work that way. There are only people. There aren't those people. How does it feel over there? Yeah, okay. There are not those people over there. There are just people. This is a major a misunderstanding we seem to have come to here in the beginning of the 21st century. However, it is possible to get a hold of this stuff, get above it, and move forward. It's not necessary to be stuck. Now, the idea is you want a flag to tell you that your ego is working. Okay, so I've been working, uh, playing with this concept of recognizing your ego. 
And I find that any word of separation is likely to have the ego at the bottom of it. And one of the major words of separation would be I, I. Another one is um, we, because we creates the they. Uh, there's the idea of defining yourself based on some sort of a material standard. I am poor, I am wealthy, either creating separation. It's remarkable the number of, of flags there are in the language that indicate that the ego is uh, very hard at work. And we have our first caller. <clears throat> Pardon me. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? My name's Doug. Doug, what can we do for you? Um, I just moved in with a girl. Well, and in regards to like ego, when like two people come together, and obviously each of us carry our own ego around, what's the best way to deal with once you cohabitate? Well, uh, partly it is finding a common ground. Her name's Jackie. Jackie, well, Doug and Jackie, okay. So a part of it would be finding something in common. That, that has to be the first, there um, is a very good beginning step. <coughs> uh, then once you've established the, uh, the whole principle of trinities, plus, minus, and neutral, um, if, you are, if you are both constantly looking for the neutral ground that you can meet on, uh, that can discard uh, that much of the ego that it's possible to live in a uh, harmony, if this makes sense. Well, one of the things I've found is if you look at a couple of dogs, when they get together, there's always a, you know, a growling, and a cat's too, and they establish a zone. Uh, and it's not so like drawing a piece of tape down the middle of the room saying, yeah. this is your side, this is my side, that's balanced, that's equal. What happens when any two beings come together, there is this territorial, um, I, I'm, I'm, there's a word I'm looking for, for um, uh, a, a, a power struggle is what I was looking for. So there's a power struggle that happens. And if we allow it and see it as a power struggle, that will quickly get resolved. It's like both both people barking where their boundaries are. It, we get it. We just move over it. We understand that the, this is this. But what we do in in humanness is that we we don't allow for that. We have to be nice and everything. So everybody suppresses and represses their boundaries. They're barking, and so it's a forever irritation and a forever fighting if you don't deal with that. So I think when any two people move to get in together, if you just say, we're going to have this period of time where, where we're going to take everything, these things personally and talk about it, it doesn't get into the emotional body. And I think that, that that's a really good solution there. And it's not about dealing every little thing here and there, but if you feel heard, and if, you, if everybody feels comfortable about doing that, you'll feel heard. When we don't feel heard, we tend to shut the other person out, which just perpetuates the whole thing. Like if we don't feel like someone's hearing us, we will, to balance it, you know, this eternal, internal balancing force that we have, um, this mechanical one, not the natural one. That's then, so true. Yeah, then we'll shut them out. Say, because okay. she, says, she says sometimes, you're not listening, you're not, you didn't even hear what I said. Yeah, 
And that's the thing. The ego has to defend itself constantly. So if you say, if you understand your animal nature, your instinctual animal nature, like that I, I have this incredible desire or this biological imperative to have children or to do this or to do that, if you understand that it's a desire, it's this compelling thing from biology, like territorialism, and that's the word I was looking for also, when you understand it, you can say, oh, let me observe it, let me work with it. But I tell you, if you can really hear someone, and few people can do this, there is no conflict that cannot be overcome. If you just listen, and, it, and the ego has to sacrifice itself in that moment and not be the one heard or the dominant force and just sit there, there is great power in, in being a, listening to it and really hearing what the other person is saying. We think that we're abandoning our own stance or our own territory, but you know what you're doing is you're rising up above the territory. Yeah, and it then, there, then it just works. It just yeah. works. So mm -hmm. next time you're in a conflict That's with someone. That's going to come in so handy. Good, good. Yeah, what were you going to say? Because this weekend she's moving in. Oh, All right. good, good. Well, congratulations. Well, welcome, yeah. Congratulations. Get, get a present for her to welcome her. You know, that sort of thing. But uh, above the conflict is the neutral ground, you know, plus, minus, and neutral. And it's in the neutral ground where both, where creativity happens. And listening, listening unites yeah. any points of view. If you're only stuck on output, which we've all been there and we know people that are chronically stuck on output, yeah. there's just nothing going in. Well, that gets very boring after a while. You can't really have a relationship with somebody like that yeah. because everything that you put forth just bounces back and hits you again. So that's well, the greatest. Al alcohol pretty much well, lands you in output. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate everything you guys ah. do. Like, well, how many years have you been doing this now? Um, a little over a thousand. Uh, no, <laughs> fifteen years together. Or yeah. We're in our fifteenth year. That's wonderful. Well, well thank, thank you guys very much. Well, yeah. good luck Doug, to you thanks. and Jackie, Doug. Yeah, thanks. thanks for calling in. Yeah, and we loved your call. We love it. Um, thank you very much for that because it it puts uh, a certain reality <coughs> a, into the show. People calling in because then we can find out where people are at and what it is they're well, also, interested in. It's just, um, yeah, that's very true. Mm -hmm. And there's so many facets to this ego struggle thing. There's always an ego struggle, whether you're at work or whatever. And another thing to keep in mind, this territorialism, <clears throat> we tend to recreate what we grew up with. And so every workplace recreates the things in your family you have not resolved. So if you have a really wonderful work environment and coworkers in Boston, that's great. But few people really ever tell me that they do. So the boss represents your parents and the authority figure. And your fellow employees are like your siblings. So instead of tangling with, sib uh, with uh, coworkers, go back and work on your feelings with your siblings. Yeah, yeah. And same goes with the bank. That's a metaphor for an authority figure. Your loans and owing money and all that. Uh, that also ties into your childhood. Oh yeah, asking well, that's dad for kind money. Of everything, you know. I think our entire formatting is done by the time we're what two, three, maybe four, oh. possibly five. The entire thing is formatted, and the rest of A it is of just it is. acting this stuff out. Yeah, that one of the meditations that we would recommend is uh, allowing yourself to go through your childhood uh, mapped by. Um, joy, if you wish, or map by trauma, however you might do that. But every time something trips, then you can notice a pattern that was set into the rest of the life 
up until the point where you notice that pattern and then go, thank you, bye, you know, to the patterning because um, yeah, and those then you can get new patterning. It's true, and um, there is a show in our archives, I'm not sure if I've converted and posted yet, but where we talk about the subconscious mind. So oh, I, yeah. I recommend listening to that one if you haven't already. That's actually a good one. Now, now what about the idea of an injured or bruised ego? You hear that a lot. And really, that's a good thing when you feel that way. One of the things that maybe has come through throughout time in a lot of ways is this idea that we will lose face and the bruised ego, that gets more people into trouble and starts more wars than anything else, is this concept of the bruised ego. And there's this great honor system that many countries throughout time have used that if you bruise my ego, read my lips, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's a child, it's childish game. Very childish, yeah. And it's always, it's always about some well, past. Do you Ooh. think the human race will ever elect conscious leaders and elect them based on consciousness or not consciousness. Well, we, we could must, actually do that, you know. Well, we must first make yeah. it okay and possible for conscious people to become leaders. The way we have it set up is you have to sell out to get billions of dollars in order to run for office. Until that changes, you're only going to have sellouts because those are the only people that will have the money, you know. Well, I don't know. I'll bet you somebody could get elected through Facebook. I really do. Or, or its counterpart, Askbook, that, that yeah. you're going to start. Yeah. Well, you know, let's face it, what goes on on Facebook, it doesn't stay on Facebook. It bleeds into our lives and poisons massive people. But uh, to resume talking about the ego. Oh, we're talking about it. The ego is, uh, is based on inequality. This not equaling this is the whole okay. basis of the ego. Well, it's one of the things, yeah. Yeah, well, a uh, founding function, mm -hmm. not the only one, I agree, mm -hmm. but it is that so long as things are unequal, then your, your um, ego can be very happy. Uh, well, that is to say, if you're better than the other person, yeah, so then you can very like easily <laughs> segue into the idea that it's a form of judgment. The ego is a form of judgment. And all slavery, if you actually analyze slavery, Slavery is a form of um, judgment. And uh, you told the story about the, the German gentleman that had, uh, pardon me, French gentleman that had his house taken over. Oh yeah, it was during the Nazi occupation. Right. He had his farm taken over. And so they kicked him out into the barn and they took over his house. This is from Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, I believe. Um, which is an incredible book, do read it. I believe I, I read that, but it's been many decades. But anyway, they made him a servant to him, and they lived in his house and took all of his stuff. And someone asked them, how did you survive that? H how did you not just go crazy like that? And he said, well, I had two choices. I could see myself as being overrun and imprisoned, or I could see myself as having honored guests that I was serving. And so he chose to view it as the yeah. second way, and so he survived. And that, there is a great tell in that because the idea of looking for the compassion rather than the competition. And so ego looks for nothing other. Ego has a number or of aerials out. Yeah, a number of aerials out to identify competition. And therefore you must smite, mm -hmm. at least annoy, uh, certainly leave a You're burning smite. 
bag of feces on their doorbell on their doorstep, ring the doorbell, and run away is very egocentric, which I think it could also be amusing depending on what sort of feces. But nonetheless, yeah, uh, now the idea yeah. of healing, <laughs> the idea of first recognizing your ego, if you can get a really good job done of recognizing your ego, you can begin the process of transmuting it into something because the ego is not without use. The ego is not without purpose. And to understand what it is, uh, just to begin the process of the healed ego is to understand that the job of the ego is, to, is necessary for the trinity that is a possibility, choice, and decision. In other words, we have all these possibilities. Any, you know, will I take the next step with my left foot or my right? You know, all of these possibilities exist throughout our lives. Okay, and so all of these, um, so a choice must be made. And then once the choice is made, the decision is activated and the, the choice becomes manifest. That's what's going on here in case nobody noticed that. Okay, life is a series of decisions. And the, so the ego is designed to assist us with this, but it cannot be as invisible and blind at the same time as it is. It doesn't help us. It more or less inhibits us. So the more healed ego would be the idea that um, you know, an overriding, a first love has to be recognized before you can actually make a real choice. Until you recognize it as love, you're, you're walking in the dark. You have no idea where the footfall goes. You have no idea where the edge of the cliff is because you, um, uh, if it is not recognized as love, it is simply not recognized. So until you can find love for everything going on around you, you're in the dark. It works that way. This is the higher consciousness. It's okay for you to open your spiritual eyes to actually see uh, the, under, uh, the substance of love in absolutely everything. There are no exceptions. Well, there's that one flower, but then it started to sing. So, And that's a future painting I'm going to do. But um, Well, I just realized also that <clears throat> what we call patriotism, oh, which is also hatriotism, yeah. is always a bruised ego. Yeah. And it's not really about love. And it's tricked into thinking, oh, it's about love, honoring our God or religious freedoms or religious lifestyle or political lifestyle. It's really about a bruised ego. And I, I don't want to gloss over that too, oh, too no, much. Oh, no, I have um, a few things to say. Well, where, you know, I was um, talking before that that's really behind everything. How many times did you not follow what your heart was telling you to do in con like having a conversation with someone or saying I'm sorry or whatever because your ego won't let you? And what you're doing is thinking that it is um, it is a, a matter of, oh, my gut is telling me to just discard that person, <clears throat> which I hear a lot of people doing now. Like, get these negative people out of my life. I've got to surround myself with positive people and things like that. How much of when you discard people is because your ego is bruised? So identifying the ego, there is a specific feeling that comes with it. It's very self-righteous. and. I'm not, I'm not looking to, to, to beat it up and to no, whatever, no, but looking I, I'm to looking it. to make it be, make it uh, something that people can 
know what it feels like. Like identify, that is an ego bruise right there. Just like if we bruised our arm, it's a bruise on my arm, this is a bruise on my ego. And to start reframing it, we have evolved out of that bruised ego, starting every war, every conflict, every ism out there, every hated thing out there. It's always coming from the state of a bruised ego. And so it's just becoming very clear to me that if we could heal that, we will be out of this conflict and war. Now, maybe it may take us a while, but I think it's, it's something to look at in your own life. Oh, absolutely. Like what if it were safe for someone to uh, criticize you or say something negative to well, you or about you? Like what if that were safe? What if you didn't have to get into that bruised ego response? What if it was just a, a, a neutralness? Like could you imagine how the world would be so different? Yes, uh, we can well <laughs> imagine this, but actually getting it to be the reality. Another of these games played is where the couple, and they both love each other, but who said it first? Okay, and there's this alpha beta nonsense that's spilling over as a result of the ego. No, it is perfectly okay to say, there, um, there, if there is a word that will never, ever, ever be overused on this planet, it is the word love. Absolutely. That is the way the whole thing works. So the idea of getting the ego into a position where it's used to assist instead of um, uh, keep everything separate, the ego is, the original point of the ego is to keep everything separate, but mm -hmm. good luck on that, I don't give her the word luck, but um, bon chance uh, as far as uh, getting things, um, uh, every, everybody is an individual, there is no doubt about it, okay? Now everyone is an individual, what? Yeah. Individual? I, I, I'm just oh, listening I, to you. I don't know what you're talking about. I thought you had something you had wanted to put in. No. Um, everyone is an individual. There's no possibility that we're not. Uh, and so why are we obsessed with our individuality when we're all, we're all pieces of equal divinity? Well, it's probably because yeah. we came here from a whole into these parts, it's not our nature. So right. we're bending back into the other nature and so we have to push ourselves back into this idea of, of individuality until eventually we just see ourselves through very multidimensional eyes that we're both separate and together all at the same time. Yeah. Just like we are one person, but we could be a nurse, a mother, a sister, and a daughter, all those things at the right. same time. Right. So I think that might be an interesting way of looking at your multidimensionality. Yeah, and we're about to come up on a painting I've done that is um, heartfelt very much, and I'm in the process of a short story uh, to go with this particular painting. And there it is, that's the painting, and this is the people joyously receiving our cousins, uh, other humanoid life forms that adore us, and they are waiting for us. And you can see the ship is in and out of reality, uh, waiting for us to um, get organized enough, get aware enough, to um, um, be okay with receiving help. We, we are just nuts around here. Um, we have been taught since the beginning of time that uh, our planet is divided into countries. That's a laugh. It's not true. It isn't remotely true. What, the, what our planet is divided into is ruling families. The only people that admit it are the English. That's it. But every country 
has ruling families that determine what's going on. The, the French have the Rothschilds. The only reason the Americans run, won the war for independence that we fought was because the Rothschilds truly hated King George. And the, they had a family meeting and they decided that the thing they could do to urinate off King George the most would be to take his colony away from him. So they talked 100,000 French people into uh, betting their lives on their anger at King George. In other words, the French, whatever they were called, soldiers, soldiers of fortune came here and helped the colonies win the war. Without that, we wouldn't have won the war. So it is just the ruling family spatting. Now get this, absolutely every war that was ever fought was fought between two or more ruling families. It has nothing to do with country. It has nothing to do with any of the things we're taught. It's not even about oil. It's about keeping, um, keeping <coughs> people who already have so much money uh, a ridiculous amount of money and they just want more. They don't, there's no sanity in that. The, the greed has got them, the greed. And this is, it's time for us to stop cooperating with this whole thing. Exactly how bright are we as a species if we are murdering our home, our planet, and what else? We don't have a way to get off this particular planet. Well, that's coming, that's changing. Yeah, but it's not like well, we could take California and move it to the moon. Well, some, something uh, I, I would like to talk about, I think sure. what you're saying might be uh, good for a whole show on that subject. And I know that's your specialty, that kind of thing. And, oh, galactic, And yeah. I will not be here next week, so oh. you will have the show to yourself. So that might be a good opportunity to go into that in more depth yeah. um, for the people that are interested. But one of the things that we do like um, for our boss and everything is we appease their ego, we feed their ego. And so what happens is people walk around kissing rear ends and, and then um, trying to tear down on the other side and we confuse that with love. We, can, we confuse, you know, like the idea of flattery will get you everywhere when mm -hmm. we appease the ego. So I think that we have developed into a species that doesn't really even understand what love is. I cannot tell you how many thousands of people I've witnessed over the years that genuinely feel love for another person but do very cruel things at the same time because I think even our love has been trapped in this idea of ego, ego gratification and ego bruising. And if we get out of the ego, could you imagine how wonderful love would be? I remember many years back this lady um, had brought her son to us, uh, to me as a, in sessions and such. Anyway, she wrote me a note one time and said that her son Billy, who was four years old, said to her, I, I know that you love me because my name is safe in your mouth. I thought that was like one of the most profound things I'd ever heard. There's very few adults that when you look at everything, people's name is safe in their mouth, like meaning that when they speak your word, it's, it, it speak that person's name, it's safe. And that tells me that so few people are actually living in love, real love. And all of us get caught in it, and we get caught in ego. I either have to tear you down because you're a threat, or I have to build you up because you're a threat. And, and, and that we're doing everything from the response of fear, 
rather than oh, from yeah. the place of love. And maybe Very we can profound. all talk about love. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm madly in love with someone and I'm gonna romp through a meadow in slow motion and meet them. And, and we have these things that we get very consumed in that we feel mm -hmm. like love. Mm -hmm. But I think love, number one, love always feels good. <clears throat> we live in a world where we think love is painful and it, it's not love if it's painful, it's ego. And so l maybe look at some of the relationships in your life, how much of that is ego and how much is love? You know, like what is real love? And if you if you feel like you need to build up or tear down, I can assure you it's ego. Well, part of the idea of the healing of the ego is the recognition that it is um, that there is diversity, but not division. <coughs> In us, the universe, cannot be chopped up. I mean, we think of it as chopped up. We have planets, we have voids, we have galaxies, but it's not, it's all one thing. So there really cannot be division, but there can be unbelievable diversity. And so that is what came to me when I was asking, what does a healed ego look like? It accepts diversity, at the same time realizing that there's no division. You know, so it's not this kind of people, that kind of people, those kind of people, our kind of people, large people, short people, it's just people. Right. Once it's just people, the diversity is just fine. But well, you can't separate it out the way we, we, the ego seems to think that we But that's very true. We can sort it just like a database on a lot of different things. And yeah. perhaps the only thing that really <clears throat> makes us unique or having the illusion of, se of separation is the fact that we have creative spheres. And I think that's why it's so uncomfortable when people step into your creative sphere. Yeah. Like um, we've all experienced it, we've done something, it's our creative world, and someone just, someone's ego spills, escapes from their yard, goes in and tries and barks to at you. embody it or take it or confront it or do whatever. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it, we are just a bunch of sparks of creative ideas oh, yeah. and this creative idea happened to inhabit this body and yours yours mm -hmm. but we're creative ideas of the same mind exactly <clears throat> so the we have to mind. keep our ideas and our creation it's like just don't, don't even compare it to anybody else's i think so many people are craving their own creative force that they it, take other people's style or they take other people's things yeah. Um, because they're craving that creativity, but everybody has such a unique spark with that. Yeah. How many years have we taught the comparison game on this show? Nobody wins the comparison game. Mm -hmm. Just don't play the comparison game. Set up little flags in your head, oh, I'm comparing me to that other person. Yeah, as a matter yeah. of fact, that was the card on the Osho deck, which I used for over 10 years on the show. Yeah, yeah. The comparison, it's like mm -hmm. the oak and the bamboo. When you compare the two, someone's going to lose. Yes. Any comparison has a winner and a loser. It's just the way it is. So if you and don't compare and you do your personal best, which is in this mm -hmm. deck, um, if you're always striving for your personal best, then yeah. there's no ego Friction. I, I can't stand that, honestly. That yeah. is something I'm just, it, it's very fatiguing for me. Well, winner and loser is inherently ego. It, it's yes, just yes, ego it's per se. You know how the kids at one point did this all the time? Like, loser. The other hand. Right, I don't care. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, did anybody, did anybody ever go, winner, winner, 
winner. No, nobody ever does that. Winner. Nah. Well, we'll do that. I'm going to do that to somebody on the... On Third the, uh, eye. I've done that before, though. What, winner? I've done winner with that. Winner. I want to do it to somebody passing me on the beltway. Winner. And what's he going to see? Remember George Costanza? What's he going to see, right? What's he going to... Yeah. Read between the lines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really. No. Winner. Yes, idiot. Yeah. That'll be the last thing I say before I disincarnate after the wreck. <laughs> yeah. I meant winner. I'm in summer, it's all right. Okay. So, ego. So, the idea of getting your ego to a healed place. Get your place ego off. Where you oh, can I'm, recognize God, the ego good. as a tool given to you uh, that somehow managed to break out and take over all egotistic words. Um, another allegory to the um, uh, ego is the rock in the river. Now, pardon the ego in the next statement, but the rock and the river, right? The river is going to win every time. It'll take a while, but the rock is going to dissolve into the river. What if they weren't fighting? Now, <laughs> now, the rock does not notice, well, pardon me, the river does not notice the rock because the river is noticing its flow. And the rock does not notice itself because it's noticing the flow. And that's how our ego remains perfectly invisible to us. Because we're, we feel like we're being left out of the flow. And so in resistance. So one of the reasons uh, you can find love for resistance is that anytime you can recognize yourself as resisting something, I know no one in our audience would do such a thing, but if you happen to see someone resisting, then you can recognize that as their hidden ego hard at work. What do you do about a thing like that? Okay, so uh, the ego, uh, pardon me, the resistance, in order to get a, first of all, resistance <laughs> will always play out as attachment to outcome or as manipulation. Resistance doesn't do anything else uh, until you recognize it and uh, love it, and then you can get it to flow. But until then, it's just going to provide resistance. Clever, isn't it? And you do this by, and I've started, I don't know how many meditations with these four words, which is accept, allow, surrender, and, release. and receive. Okay, as the way I start any number of um, meditations. And it works, and that's a part of the way in which you can go into the, uh, the silence more easily. It's just to accept, allow, surrender, and then, uh, and I'd go into meditation right there, well, except great. we're doing the show. I know we're getting close we're to that, to but, dangle. Here we but I think um, I just would like to say to everyone that it is safe to let go of the having to save face, the ego that tricks you into thinking that you're going to die if you don't defend. Really, yeah, yeah. Um, it's okay, just feel safe within it. Mm -hmm. Quack, quack, we have the duck coming. Here's the duck. Thank you. I got, trust your heart's knowing right now, See, seek the deep counsel of your own experience. Here we go. 
Observe your, observe your life from a state of allowing. Yeah. The state of non-resistance will bring you many insights. Echo, echo, echo. Mm -hmm. And these are Mary's magical message cards, mm -hmm. which you can play with online. Or you can have your very own deck. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. They are also online in that way as well. There are 97 cards in the deck, so there are lots of different messages. They're <clears throat> great fun at parties and such like that. Or if you have a healing practice and afterwards you'd like to pull a card to pull the session together. I found those to be very powerful at that time. I had one okay. last note on the show. Mature beings express attitude of compassionate love, uh, which is a quote from an Arcturian book, um, uh, Eagles of the New Dawn, by the way. But it's true, a mature being uh, will express an attitude of compassionate love. And hi, caller, what's your name, please? Hi, my name is Lila. Lila, what can we do for you? Well, I love your show, and I would love a reading with Mary. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I'd be most happy mm -hmm. to. All right. So, the spirit animal cards wish to come today, too, so I'll pull one of those. All right, the first card is solitude. There's something, you know, it, it goes along so much with the show of the ego. I think we crave individuality and to be left alone just as much as we crave being with people and we're always at some degree of conflict within that. And I think what this is saying is it's time for you to really go inward and seek, you know, the card we were reading, the deep inner wisdom of the, your deep inner counsel of your own experience, rather than necessarily relying on what other people may be advising you to do in a certain circumstance. Not that you can't take that into account, so we've got solitude and silence, and silence can talk about getting near the water, going on a beach trip or something. It, it looks like you're in one of these commas of the sentence of your life for you to assess what came before and what is lying ahead. So there's the pause point with that. And then the raccoon is talking about cleansing. You know, there, we have to, I, I teach an EFT with decluttering with EFT class, which is very profound. Many people have um, decluttered their life massively from coming to such things. And I think that we don't recognize all the areas that is good to do that. Sometimes like cutting down on uh, things you acquire on Facebook or on your website or email or whatever. And I think this is real clear. It's best to just separate yourself out from your life for a bit and see what's there. It's like your guides and your teachers really are looking to communicate some things to you, you know, just of your evolution. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Very evolving. Uh, hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, my name's Glory. Hi. Glory. I love your show. Oh, and thank you. I'd like to have a reading from Mary, please. Mm -hmm. Okay. Be most happy to. Thank you. All right. And so what animal would love to come today? This, did you have something you wanted to say? Oh, no. Just okay. calling the animals through love. I think that's okay. really great. Well, um... The higher road, this is always talking about, sometimes we think taking the higher road. You know, this idea of turn the other cheek, take the higher road, it really is about not engaging in the ego battle, that everything can be solved from a higher place. So sometimes no one will come up there and meet you, but stay up there because eventually they'll harmonize up there. And so now is the time to take the higher road rather than trying to mechanically change things, whether it's at your job or in uh, your vocation or your education in some way. 
uh, you can't make that flower grow any way it, it doesn't naturally grow or you'll kill it. And so now's the time not to go in with big stomping um, uh, horse's hooves, you know. Uh, it's better to just go in very gently and wait for the right time. And then we get the card of the elephant, and I absolutely adore elephants. Anybody that's friends with me on Facebook knows because I'm freely expressive about that. But elephants remember. They can, they can remember loving someone from 30 years back, and, and they, they keep that. They know. They remember this love. And so it's saying, think back on things you used to love and let them become more alive in your life right now. And there might be somebody coming from the past that may be getting in contact with you, too. So mm -hmm. thank you. And um, we're going to be at Ruby Tuesdays uh, shortly. Okay. If anyone would like to come and visit us, we'll be there. Okay. And uh, I don't know what, I don't think we have uh, activities the next week, but probably well, after I, that. Well, I would uh, also invite people just to look at the website. All your copper stuff oh, is up there, your one. art. Yeah. You can play with, you can do readings from all four of my decks. You mm -hmm. can look at, there's just tons of stuff to do. I've got, I posted another meditation break oh, called excellent. Healing. I'm going to mm -hmm. actually re-edit that because they're, but it's still doable. Mm -hmm. And um, all of our show archives, you can go, get to the podcasting and listen to all of our shows on podcast. Take them on trips with you, put them well, on your yeah, iPod. Quite a lot to do. The audio version. And uh, I'm as always taking people into past lives or between lives or to well, yeah, all that's other there too. planets. And, uh, that's true. Palm reading, face reading, and you do so much also. Mm -hmm. um, so we're really quite busy in all of this. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's very good. Yeah, so... All right, so shall I pull a card for your new painting? Sure. As we have done in the past. Mm -hmm. Or did you have something you wish to say? Um, just say goodbye to your ego, or incorporate your ego in such a way that it's on your side instead of against you. Well, I pulled the Go Deeper card, which shows little fish with a treasure chest at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And so what it's saying is, if, if you confront your fears, they're just little guppies, and you can get right to the treasure. But if you stay in the fear, it's going to look like something uh, that's keeping you from going deeper and finding the treasure. Mm -hmm. So I think what it's saying is to look at your opinions about uh, spacecrafts. Yeah. I may just post that on uh, uh, fine art. I had hesitated, but I've had it with that. I just don't care anymore. You know, that uh, some people will go, ooh, ooh. Fine. Oh, about the art. Oh, why, why wouldn't? I think it's a yeah. great painting. I think it's talking about... You know, even if it's not about aliens in metal spaceships, which I, I honestly oh, had, a, had an issue with that because I feel that that kind of travel is going to be multidimensional and we're constantly talking. If you believe in an angel, you can believe in that because it's, it's communication with other beings. So you can put it into that frame of reference. But the idea is for us to expand beyond the idea of this limited, limited reality. Yes, and we have our next caller. Oh. Uh, hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, my name is Debbie. Hi, Debbie. Debbie, what can we do for you? My father recently passed away on May 5th, and they wanted to speak to Mary about a reading uh, just to try and console my mother and see how she feels and just to give her some solace. Like, I feel that he wanted to go, 
I just want to give my family. I have three sisters and myself, and I, I guess we just need a little comfort to know that it was his choice. Okay. Well, I, I think ultimately it always is, but I hear what you're saying. We, our emotional body can still use that. Is there, I don't know why I'm picking up on this. It's, it's you know, I'm just going to say it because um, whenever I step into that, I don't advertise that I do mediumship type stuff, but I certainly do. And um, I don't usually do it on the show, but often a bunch of stuff will come streaming past in the first few minutes. I saw Coney Island. I'm not sure what that is. And I, I got the go, going deeper card too. And I feel like one of the things with him was that he came here to really look beneath the surface with himself. And, and it almost feels like there were several things in his life that were really um, what others may find trying or challenging that he has worked his way through and that he was done and he extracted, he found the gold here. You know, it's like, um, every pile, there's always something we're searching for in it. And he, he was done and he found that. And um, then there's uh, the card of family. And this card often comes up to say, I love you. I'm still in this circle of family. And you can even see they're all on a picnic and they're holding hands. And that even though this person is over here flying the kite, the one in spirit, that everybody is still linked together and there is still that love. And even if it looks like it was at the hand or, or the, um, of someone else or that someone else was making this decision, it's never that way. It really isn't. I, know, I, I feel very confident about saying that. You know, it was always our idea. The whale is the record keeper that goes forward. And I think one of the things that this is him saying is that it's so important not to grieve it really separates us. When we're happy, it moves up. And, and so I really recommend to people to do a scrapbook of happiness, writing down funny memories and all that, because it's that vibration that, that pulls that energy closer. And sometimes it can even be hard to throw someone's clothes away. And something that came Impossible. to me um, in a reading for someone one day, but I think it's valuable evidence or um, um, exercise for everybody, is to maybe take a square of some of their favorite clothes and make a small little quilt Ooh. and then you can just release everything else and I feel like that's what he's saying is to release some things and record things. Mm -hmm. and it's very interesting when you said Coney Island I distinctly smelled the popcorn from there. <laughs> and, and the uh, hot dogs. And, and Well no just the popcorn because I think that was uh, in that time period so rare that the only place you could actually get popcorn. Was that the carnival? Uh, on Coney Island yeah. specifically. And so that was like a major treat based mm -hmm. on the, mm -hmm. the way that entered olfactory memories yeah. and so forth. Yeah, I, I, I was smelling that too, and hot dogs, and mm -hmm. I was hearing the music. And um, I don't know, I just feel like there was a, a reference to he and his wife, which would be your mother when they were younger, and mm -hmm. just some of the things they used to do. Yeah, those so were thank days. you, I don't know. And One we're, minute. we're about out of time. As we said, we'll be at Ruby Tuesday shortly. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it was our joy and honor to take you to the door. And you're going through the door. Quit fooling around. Just go through the door. You'll find the entrance in the center of your heart. So just do that. Quit messing around. Well, we love you. We thank you all for calling in. Please call in. Um, futures here because there's a lot to be yeah, done. Yeah, and check out Neville's other art. He's quite a talented artist. Well, thank you. Very kind of you to say. And you too, the decks and the Well, 
Oh, you know, no, this definitely. is done with a mouse, a computer mouse, the drawing. So yeah, and, and I don't, I don't know if five uh, or six year old software or whatever it was, how many years ago that was. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but new decks and are coming. Some really interesting ones. Mm -hmm. If anybody is interested in that. Yeah, we're always okay. working on the new projects. I'll see Gives you in two weeks. Here. Neville, we'll mm -hmm. see you next week. Yeah, excellent.